Welcome back to episode three, My Life, Sam Radford. It's been a while, but we've had some hinges to go through. And on this episode, I interview famous Canadian battle rapper, Nameless, a.k.a. great person, Jacob Karsmeyer. And he speaks about his life and his music and his life in general. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. So right now is my first interview ever. I have on this beautiful gentleman, uh, no homo, but it's 2021, Jacob Karsemeyer. So Jacob is, uh, for me, he was a battle rapper named Nameless. And Nameless is one of the biggest battle rappers in the Canadian culture. So he um, did everything from freestyle battles to what I spoke about in my other episode, battle rap when it became um, formulated and round for round and premeditated. But Jacob's lived throughout the whole culture and he's also been on camera before he was even a battle rapper with a very famous Canadian music group. But anyway, right now I'm just going to say, Jacob, can you introduce yourself to the viewers and whatever few fans I have? Yeah. Uh, hello, Jacob Karsmeyer. Um, happy to be on the show and honored to be the inaugural guest. Um, excited to hear. Uh, it, it sounds like you've got a great approach to kind of storytelling and interviews and uh, excited to be a part of it. All right, man. That's great. So like, uh, for me, I know you because I'm a big battle rap fan, right? So what um, my first thing will be, tell people what you think of battle rap and how it came to you at its first form at your young life. Wow, that's a, both a great question and a, uh, uh, it'll be difficult to, to, to encapsulate short in, in, a brief, uh, in a brief way. I'll answer first, I'll answer kind of I think as with a lot of battle rappers, I have a, a, a complicated relationship with it. Um, but the more simple uh, linear response is to the question of how it came to me. Um, and so I was, uh, I grew up in downtown Toronto um, and as such had a lot of exposure to great music culture. Um, you know, Toronto has some really talented musicians and some great little scenes. It's not as, as developed as some of the other music cities, but there's not as much infrastructure, but um, I grew up in, uh, yeah, really listening to a lot of punk rock. I had a lot of older friends that, uh, you know, would bring me out to shows and put me up on uh, the cool stuff that was going on. And, uh, you know, occasionally had bands stay at my parents' house uh, and as a little 12 year old, 13 year old uh, knucklehead I like had a big mohawk and, uh, you know, uh, actually had to shave the mohawk for the aforementioned music video that, that, uh, that you referenced there. Um, but so I, I was fairly deeply immersed in this, uh, in punk rock world, um, up until grade nine and in grade nine, I, I was, I played guitar and I, I wrote like poetry and, um, you know, songs here and there. And in, in grade nine, I was exposed to, to hip hop culture, to rap culture, obviously in, in a, in a, you know, mid nineties in Toronto, um, uh, context, but, uh, but nonetheless, a, a, you know, a vibrant hip hop community. It started at the, the, uh, first high school I went to, which was Ursula Franklin. Um, and there were a couple kids who rapped who like, it was like a big event when that happened. Not, not like then as much, it was, you know, once or twice that happened, but it kind of put it on my radar. And I was like, okay, this thing's kind of cool. Um, and then, 
by chance I had a a uh, the one of the older punk rock kids that I, I really liked. They were like five six years older than me and really like picked what what like were were my filters for what was uh, what was interesting and what wasn't. Like I really valued their input. And my sister found a Wu Tang CD. Uh, as all good legends happen very randomly, just like sealed on the subway. And she's like, nah, I don't really like, you can have this if you want. And I like brought it to my friend's house and was like, is this like, what do you think? Is this cool? Like, I kind of liked it. What do you think? And he's like, yeah, these guys are cool. And we like put it on and listen to it. And I remember just going home and like, particularly uh, Cream, that song, Cash Rules Everything Around Me. It was, I just like put it on repeat on my little CD player and just like, zoned out in a way that I hadn't with music before um, to the point where my mom came in and I think it was her subtle way of like asking if I was smoking weed she was like hey is everything cool you like why are you playing this song over and over like what's going on in here um, but uh, but yeah so kind of put that started putting rap on my radar more and then when I went when I was in grade 10 I, I switched schools basically every year in high school I was really interested by the like complex social dynamics of the of the like high school social web oh that's uh, very bold like I, I i switched schools when i was younger and i remember one year uh hiding in the um bathroom during recess because i didn't want to make new friends so that just i think goes to show of an outgoing guy you could be so i had uh i had a couple experiences when i was very young like when i was in grade two um my parents moved my we wanted to move to nova scotia so my mom and my older sister and me went to Nova Scotia and stayed there. Uh, there you go, some Scotian pride, right? Uh, so in Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, for those who know the, the areas out there. Uh, so I lived in Truro for one year. Otherwise, I'd gone to the same school. The curriculum was a little bit different there. But when I came back, um, I was getting into a lot of trouble because I'd finish my work quickly and then start trouble with other kids. And uh, we moved back to Toronto, like into the same house and everything. We didn't get the offer. Oh, wow. Okay. So one year there and then back. And then, so it was this very quick, like I was here, I was set here. And then all the way to Nova Scotia, back here. And then halfway through the year, I did like some gifted testing and they skipped me a grade into halfway through, like from halfway through grade three to halfway through grade four. And that was like the heart socially, the most difficult. It was like a bunch of kids it was a gifted class in a normal school so they were already at like the bottom of the social rung of this school and then i came in halfway through the year so they were able to use all the strategies that had been used on them by the other kids to to this new even more outsider and i like i basically had to like work my way up this really difficult social hierarchy it's like if anybody's seen Dumb and Dumber 2 with uh, Shia LaBeouf when they're on the short bus and they're arguing over piranhas and rock, paper, scissors. Like, I don't feel like it's completely that scenario, but try to picture that. I like it. I like the um, but yeah, just so like, I, I think that did something to me where I really enjoyed that. Like, I really love job interviews. I really love like tests. I, I really like that kind of pressure. Um, and like managing expectations is important and, and part of what's become part of my career. Um, but this is a super long answer. I have no, that's fine. But speaking on which, before I ask the next question, yeah. what is your career right now, man? So it's funny. So I'm a big uh, rap fan. 
um, side note to all my fans, I always go on deep dives. So apathy was something I grew up on with self-titled and apathy. I recently realized he's a fucking real estate broker. Yeah. So, so what, like, that's a different thing. Right. But I was, I just, I remember like as a kid, I'm like, who, who, who to think, right. What are you yeah. doing right now, man? So, okay. Let me just land this very quickly. The long story short is moving through those social networks in high school. Yes. Good to touch uh, on. Yeah. They, they were, uh, it started to be like at house parties kids would rap and and by grade 10 or 11 I was like hey I'll give this a try this seems super fun I like like the beatboxing shit I got really into beatboxing and was like doing that when no one was around but then like I was like I'm gonna try this thing and like the first time I did it I like shut down the part like kids were like didn't expect it and there was not like that high is something you know I've I've spent my life trying to recreate it was such a magical moment where like no one expected it and I like dropped a punchline or made some little bar that was like whatever probably the trashiest ever like terrible bar but like the 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 feel just, just the unexpected nature of it and like it just set something off in me and I was like I love this rap thing um and then in doing that and like starting to connect with other kids that did that and like finding the best kids at the schools I was at um, there started to be more events and actually like formal battles and a couple guys that were this dude scandalous and this guy Chuggo who's done some modern battles. Um, so so for for like new people, Tony Ranks would be a name that you would come by now. But Empire Records is something he was under before. I would say one of the forefathers in Toronto hip hop amongst like maybe a snitch now mayhem Moriarty, but like also like Bishop Bragante and the the gambling man, people who started Drake's yep. career. There's a big there's a big thing with it. Socrates hip hop in Canada is undershown right now, but I'm just naming names to try to reference. If you're a Canadian listener, I'm not trying to cut uh, nameless off at all. But uh, no. please go on. Um, yeah, so that just just started to come naturally, and like going to parties where there were battles, and like once it started to snowball, and you became a bit more well known for it. Like kids would like come to the school or. Or like you know wait out lunch to to battle or whatever and and um so i got a lot of practice with it that way and then just started doing well at the tournaments and it you know this is all like you said kind of in the freestyle era and then um and then when they started filming it wrc's came around and that kind of really cemented that format for it and uh and so then- so, so wrc's so I'm a big battle rap fan. So if you're a battle rap fan at all, you understand that there was smack DVDs and there was DVDs from Philadelphia and things uh, that were footage. And then you had the elements league in Nova Scotia. But at the same time, there was this thing called jump off, which is run out of England. And it became this tournament that was worldwide. Not, I think it became maybe four or five, six countries, but in its heyday, it was insane. And nameless was part of the 07 uh, jump our jump off Toronto division with organic who is the founder of king of the dot and I just want you to talk about that because people don't understand so on video format you might think it was days and involved but Jacob did this freestyle tournament around people all around Toronto and he did this within one day and one setting do like I think he had maybe one or two matchups versus the same MCs as well and what I heard they were only fed pizza and Red Bull and I just want to know like how is that to the mind, especially when you know you're trying to become not maybe famous, but that's your going to be your big look because you're going to that that's jump off. Yeah, I mean, it was a big shift in the the culture and the format, like when it when it changed from 
I actually have like a, uh, a talk I've put together that I shared at my work. We'll get back to that um, about how the internet really killed improvisation in a lot of ways because improvising is about kind of capturing the energy of the people in the space with you. And when, uh, when the people who you're performing to aren't in the space with you, it, um, it becomes different. It's not the same. You can't really, there's no feedback loop that you're able to, to dialogue with the audience with. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, that, that day was a weird day. I, it, I definitely wasn't like suited for it for, for what I was doing at the time, which was like all me and me and organic went in that day with like a punchline, one punchline written, written for each of the other teams and then just freestyle around it. And, uh, and for that format, when freestyle was really, again, like capturing the energy and like the beat and the DJ and the crowd and like everything, there was no crowd there. There was no DJ, there was no, it was just like this really dry um, performance that has evolved into its own thing and made sense from a content perspective because he had to film 12 battles uh, per per team, like each team battled each other team twice. And there were and, and how many were there in the Toronto division? I think there were eight teams, if I remember correctly. You I had the dude who kissed Poe Rich. So that's two teams within that one. You have Prolific and Aspire. Um, you had Bishop was on the team with the guy who kissed Poe Rich, right? Allegedly. It was so Justice McFly. I'm sorry. I, I, I should have my facts here, but I think it's around eight. We'll say eight. Say eight. So it was yeah. 14 battles in that day. We did around. And you're in the same spot. I'm pretty sure it was in the summer in Toronto, right? That's what it seemed like from the faces. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like an office building where, um, you know, directly next door, uh, there was like just people doing their day jobs. So like the shared bathroom when you went to the bathroom and were like just yelling insults at someone. There was like fucking. Dave from accounting in the bathroom with you. It was a really weird, weird space, but, um, but a cool change to the format. And I don't think the evolution wouldn't would have happened in the same way because no. all of the people who then went to create, um, um, you know, uh, don't flop and King of the Dot and Grind Time were all participants who like saw the format and saw the value of it, but adjusted it a little bit to be more a bit more. Uh, respectful of the rappers and the, the artists that are participating whereas harry was just a content guy and like knew how to get his content yeah but in that sense so me i'm a big nerd on battle rap and then i make a lot of analogies so if you watch the show the wire which is one of the best shows ever on on hbo um i look at at um let's say the wrcs as uh, the wire because you look at the WRCs and then you look at battle rap in its whole after 10 years, maybe people who aren't participating now, but everybody was involved. My girlfriend saw the first episode of the wire with me and she's like, is that looks like a young Michael B. Jordan. I'm like that that's because it is a young Michael B. Jordan. That's a young Jacob Karsmeyer in that tra tragically hit video. I'm going to try to segue like a radio host. So <laughs> nameless talk to me. Like, the Tragically Hip is one of the biggest bands in Canadian history, man. So just tell me how that process went about. Were you a child actor? Did you add have shots going out? Like, how did that come about? Yeah, um, my sister was in acting and uh, and I got into it pretty early. Um, and for 
basically until I hit high school, um, that was a big part of my life and, and something, uh, you know, I'm very glad that I did. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, didn't really know the relevance of the band at the time and how big they were. Um, and it kind of clicked with me as we were doing it and I checked out their music and really liked it. But to me, I, at that time, I was like, I, w I wasn't really listening to anything on the radio and, and like, didn't really click the, the size of the, you know, the, the, how, how much of like a important piece of Canadiana the hip are. Um, and they made a fan out of me before I, I showed up on the shoot and, and, uh, yeah, shot one day out, out in, uh, up north a little bit um that's yeah. crazy man there's other like voice acting and a couple little like um little spots here and there and then it, what it, there's like a actors union in in uh canada called actra yeah yeah i was a background guy back in the day there you go so i got enough credits um uh, to allow me to do background work that was paid to the union rate instead of the standard background rate. Um, because there's like, obviously the union argues that you have to use 40% Actra and there's like special considerations for them. So it became one of the cool summer jobs that I was able to do when I needed a bit of coin. I would just contact a background agent and just say like, you know, throw me in some scenes. That's amazing, man. All right. So we're going to like, uh, in my podcast, as I say to everybody, I'm still uh, new to it. So I'm going back and forth all over. But so there's a thing called proud to be a battle MC, a with the EH is in we're Canadian. And so um, proud to be a battle MC, it, to me is a smaller format of if people are a fan of hip hop, or if you want to look it up scribble jam. So Scribble Jam is an American event that's been hosted since uh, the early 90s, mid 90s. And people who uh, win it usually go on to have careers or whatever. Blah, say blah. Um, uh, Nameless was in Proud to Be. And I just want uh, you to talk about your experience with that before we go on to um, the written format and the new modern era of battle rap. So I don't think I ever participated in Proud to Be until it was folded into King of the Dot. Because they did a bunch of events. If if I remember correctly, it was either Ryan PVP or Avi or the combination of both of them who were doing Proud to Be. And it was like a regular event. I went out and judged a few times. Um, but it was at a point where I had kind of established myself a little bit more and was like trying to snipe the bigger prize pools and was, you know, had an ego about me. Uh, and uh, so I participated in it when they, when they folded into King of the Dot and, and did the proud to be, uh, freestyle tournament that was like, basically like hosted and promoted by organic, but just using that format to rekindle the kind of freestyle era. And I won that shit. Uh, I think it was like a thousand bucks, which to me was the, the mark, like I didn't want to enter if it was less than a thousand. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh. That was my experience with it. I know there's lots of dudes who got their start in it and it was a really cool scene and and they really like, they set a lot of the groundwork and, and uh, you know, folding into King of the Dot was really good for them and gave Organic a lot of the support he needed from a business sense. No, of course. So, all right, we'll fold into that again. We'll just keep folding like we're making a nice little like uh, Gordon Ramsay omelet. But anyway, um, so King of the Dot, uh, I've spoken about it in my music, in my music episode and battle rap is such a hold to me king of the dot is 
is a league in battle rap and it's modernization. And with King of the Dot, it's formulated. So freestyle battle rap, you just freestyle and whoever rocks the party the hardest, aka like a busy B, cool mo D back in the day kind of thing versus even just a freestyle. I'm a better lyrical spiritual miracle than you. Um, battle rap's modern form, you 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 can find out dirt about somebody you premeditate all your material you have an overtime round at the beginning of it so like i remember you were at the first early kotd events because i'm a big fan but what got you into wanting to do it like what made you think that the modern form was that upper echelon or maybe a bit more of a view than you would have just as a freestyle um, I think it was just that hunger. It came back every once in a while. Again, like I was at a, a bit of a different point. I was focused a lot more on music um, and and the written format. Like you said, you know, you you prepare for your battle for like a month. It's a little bit more uh, um, involved, and uh, that really got in the way of my writing music. I always looked at it as a platform to to promote and uh, support the music I was doing. Um, and when it ceased to be that, I wasn't as attracted to it. And then what got me into it was uh, a good matchup. It was, I think the first one I did was Noah 23, if, if I remember correctly. And if people don't know, Noah 23 is a big um, underground artist. I'm not a fan of him, but if you are a big um, underground rap fan, I th you think he's from the St. Catharines era, era, I think in Ontario, he's a big yeah. underground artist and he, he's been around for at least like 15 plus years. Now, probably 20, Third, yeah. he, he was old when he battled nameless i think he battled nameless in 2009 if i'm correct something like that somewhere in the in that range and then yeah so and he was already like a well-respected dude within that you know within that underground scene um and i I've, i liked his music but i also felt like i could poke holes in it and, and have some fun with it so it felt like it was more of a win-win opportunity than battling you know some up-and-comer that like i didn't stand to gain much from um and that's uh you know that's one of the issues with what stopped i think the hunger gotten in the way of the growth of battle rap is that people you know people don't want to risk the reputations they've built if they're not getting a reward from it unless there's that hunger and it's just tough to when you've had a few of those moments already um, you know, I have like my favorite of my battles that I've done and the moments that I have and like those just loom over and I think this happens with any artist in any format, but when you feel like you've done something really well it's tough to to find reasons to keep on coming back to it like I'll, I'll do it. I, I've said if the right matchup is there or if it gives me an opportunity to travel or something um, I'd consider coming back but at this point there's just no one that like really that i'm like oh this would be fun fun to do it with well and, and upon what you say like um i feel that myself as a big battle rapper fan it, it brought me through my teens i'm now um, late 20s which is the oops you're going on 30 but um uh the big thing was battle rap became wrestling in a sense where i find like there wasn't I used to watch it for the grand prix and for the this person was seven and two versus this person was seven and two, just like uh, any kind of sport. So I'm not going to watch the Toronto Raptors if they're just having exhibition games. Right. Like I still respect battle rap and I love battle rap and it's a big part of me. But now it's just like the music scene, whereas I feel like every mainstream artist is trying to sound like they're from Atlanta. So I, I fell out of love it in that sense for myself. 
and, and I mean, at a much lesser scale, I was a little kid who battled in smaller leagues and it was almost like a bucket list for me. I did it once. Okay, cool. You know, I got that one reaction, but from you, um, I just want to speak about one instance. Like I'm not going to bring up a lot of stuff, but if you're talking about uh, Noah 23, you thought he deserved it. And you battled like people like Pumpkinhead. He was one of my favorite rappers, rest in peace. And he was from Brooklyn Academy, rest in peace is Sean Price as well. But anyway, um, Bartone knows those hoes. I just want to talk about battling a white, a guy from Cambridge with spiked hair and like probably shitty Oakley sunglasses who thinks he's the newest, coolest thing in battle rap and what that's like at that time 10 years ago yeah i mean to me that was just an easy win where like i i mean respect due to bartone he did what he i think he was great for for what he had to work with and he played his skills the best that he could and i don't think you should get in the, like part of getting in the ring is convincing yourself that you're the best in the world and i think everyone should do that when they when they battle um and uh and so, I mean, it was, it was fun for me because I, that was one of the ones that I was more confident going into. Like I knew if I performed my material properly that, um, and I was really happy with my material. Um, so it was, it, that one was a lot of fun for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone, the, the thing to me is that because there's no like formalized marking rubric, um, Battle rap offers the opportunity to kind of define define what the battle is about. And it's this dance of being who's better at making the case for them being the winner. It's, that's really, it's very like, you know, self-referential and, and, um, and, and like rea reactive to the moment. So you almost get judged off your first, your, your intro. You can find or try to figure out who's going to win off the intro. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's all sorts of like nuanced mind games and that kind of stuff that um, that obviously I felt going into that one that I was I was really confident about. But there's been ones that I was pretty confident going into and didn't end up winning. And it's uh, I think that's part of the fun. That's 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 life, right? That's uh, uh you know it's part of the game, right? Yeah. Like uh like that's that's just what it is. And I'm just gonna touch on um I feel like he was a bit uh, very humble with how he spoke about this battle. In this battle, um it's 2021, so you might not want to say certain things, but uh, let's just say that uh, he battled a guy from a small town. I come from a small town. Small town people are known to maybe be uh, incestuous in, 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 in the smallest amount. And um, uh, Nameless had this great line, which is, um, if I split you in half, you might fuck yourself. So uh, moving upon that, um, let's just say your two favorite battles, because you've battled some of the greatest people in the world and some like some respectable rappers apart from just battle rap, right? Because you're a great rapper as well. There's a great mixtape nameless release called Martin McFly that I would love people to listen to. But yeah, if you just want to talk about, like say your two favorite battles, because I don't want to take up all of your time. Uh, like of mine or of... Uh... Of yours. Okay, let's know this. I love that. I love that you answered that. Your favorite battle with yourself and your favorite battle. Okay, let's do the three. Your favorite battle within written format and your favorite freestyle battle. So you... Written and then freestyle. You yourself, written and then freestyle. So my favorite, like, that I've participated in, I really enjoyed my performance against Twist, and I like... Kid Twist. 
yeah. is who he's referencing. He's, he wrote a battle rap movie called Bodied. He was a King of the Dot champion. Him and Nameless did a two-on-two -two together. He's he's of Canada fame as well. Sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. Um, and then the the subsequent, the two-on-two -two that we did, I had a lot of fun writing that. And, uh, and I kind of orchestrated that because I had been talking about battling Shuffle T for a while. And... Uh, and then for that particular event, um, Twist and Shuffle T like had locked in and started writing, and and I was like, oh, I kind of want to battle, wanted to battle this guy. Like, can we make it a two on two? And all, like, we'll we'll find a way to kind of write it in and make it theatrical. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that. What he's referencing is um, King of the Dot, the league. They do different events, right? And um, it's very cool because it's battle rap. So this one event they do is called Blackout. And what they do is they won't announce people. They'll announce the people's names, but not the matchups before the event. And then the day of they'll, uh, the battle before, they'll announce it. And it's usually single battles. And this battle, we knew uh, there was one person and one person, but it became two people. And it was Nameless and Kid Twist from Canada versus Marlo and Shuffle T from the UK. And that was like a very cool, historical, like surprising battle. So yeah. upon that, let me get your, um, what's your favorite freestyle battle? And you can do anything you want. Like, I know like some weird, weird dude might say like something from way back in the day or something, but like do anything you want. Yeah. Um, I think to me, the, like the, the, the ones that really stick out to me are like um, idea his stuff at the blaze battle was super nice uh, the with the red pants stuff, yeah uh the scribble jam stuff like uh thesaurus and and justice was crazy yeah uh, but we used to watch those tapes like over and over and over so when, so for me i'm young i'm young right so i started watching on youtube so when you were watching so let's say um thesaurus versus justice an american versus an australian 2005 how did you watch that on your computer at the time because everybody these days has the easy necessity of youtube yeah i mean we had i mean there were tapes they sold like vhs tapes of scribble jam that, oh wow that we'd kind of pass around so a lot of the early ones i watched were like that um like juice and supernatural was one of the most influential to me and that was audio like we listened to that as an audio like file for that sounds like a comedian listening to red fox's seven uh, dirty sins before yeah. it came out comedy was a thing um and then uh yeah, like we'd get, there were like the Scribble Jam DVDs that were like, you know, coveted. There were some torrents going around of them, like you could pirate them, but, um, you know, we knew that it was a small little scene. So like, I remember I bought one year and a friend bought another year so that we had like a couple sets of them and, and could watch them. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was the format for those. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so so those those free like that that's what I'd say. Juice and supernatural, the idea stuff, and then thesaurus and and uh, and justice in particular. But that whole like everything on Scribble Jam was so fire. Yeah, like Sage Francis, like he didn't continue on with it much, but he was an absolute titan. Like he was doing it in a in a really interesting way. Even like Mac Lethal, his Scribble Jam run was. Like yeah, iconic. it was so above the technicality of what other people were doing. Um, so those guys really stuck out to me a lot. Um, and then what was the final one? What was the final question? So like, if you're going to, 
recommend somebody who's never uh, listened or listened to battle rap or seen battle rap before. What's just a quintessential one? For for me, I do. Um, I either do Hollow to Dawn versus Pass, or I do any Carter Deems battle. <laughs> yeah, Deems is Deems is that dude. Um, I think I like like I think people to ease them in. I I think people react best to um, Pat Stay and Roan's compliment battle just to kind of ease them in. And then to be like, but this is this funny, silly version of it. And then, you know, just I'm riffing here, but maybe it's maybe it's Pat Stay and Hollowhan and Pat Stay and Roan to show the like the two sides of it and how to present on both sides. Um, yeah, no. it, it depends on the audience. Like it depends on if they're like rap fans or not. I think that's if uh, they just want comedy, do what I do and show them a stupid, like, you know, a funny, but I, I, I agree with you. And, and it's funny. You say that I did say that I go with hollow and pass, but Pat Stavers hollow hand is such a, you can just tell there's a rivalry and a love of friendship and, and that kind of thing. And it's right away. It gets to you like, um, just like as uh, before, before Pat stay in Rome, there was tricky PN definition, which was the first compliment battle. And right. yeah. that was a good, that was a good referential, but anyway, like battle rap aside. So gay nameless is an, is an OG. He's an awesome dude. He's in my books. He's, he's the man, you know what I mean? He's, he's explained to us all these cool things. He's humble as hell. So this is different for me, right? So I, I I got you on as a battle rapper because you inspire me and you're like, I'm such a fan of you. This has nothing to do with battle rap. I want you to name to me top two lessons you would teach anybody in life because I'm no, I'm no great person. I'm a fucking degenerate, but I still like to give guidance to others. And I think that how I met Jacob recently was on Facebook and I had messaged him uh, for 10 years and we we met on a post and the post was through him being a positive human being through this last year and a half with coronavirus and terrible things that have gone on and I just want to promote Jacob being a, a great human being at the end of the day so just give us your like a top two lessons you would give somebody maybe yourself 10 years ago that's a uh, very kind words first of all so thank you for that um and uh yeah i mean as a as a father i, I have two sons uh, and a third one on the way in june so i'm oh bless you man bless you very frequently thinking about uh about what advice i would give to myself many moons ago um and again like i think the best advice respects the context and and the person that it's being given to just like the battles that you're choosing uh, but to me, one of the one of the things I'm that's been central to my uh, my approach to life is uh, managing expectations, like both your expectations of others and others' expectations of you. Um, you know, keeping a healthy management of bound of of expectations creates boundaries that allows you to, to in in my experience, allows you to to thrive and be creative and dynamic. Um, you know, when when people's expectations of you are too high, you can at best achieve and, and fulfill them. But if you can get ahead of it and manage expectations to a reasonable state, I always way more enjoy over delivering. Um, and my morale is like that. That's an easy life hack for me is like both managing and then expecting nothing of anyone else ever so that even the, the, the anything, you know, that that you can glean from any interaction with someone 
um, you can take something positive from it rather than going in with some sort of expectation of whatever it is. Um, so that's, you know, playing with expectations. Um, and then uh, I think just honestly moving through the world in a way that's honest with yourself and others around you. I think, uh, you know, a big full-size mirror, uh, both figuratively and, and literally, um, to understand one's strengths and weaknesses and then to use your strengths to mitigate the negative effects of your weaknesses, I think is um, the way that we move through the world comfortably. Um, we all have our idiosyncratic behaviors and skills and things that we care about and things that we don't. And people may have taught us to feel good about some of them or bad about some of them, but um, it's all bullshit. And at the end of the day, uh, if you can come to the table and be the best person that you can and do things with love and, and gratitude and, uh, and, you know, uh, do your best, uh, anyone who tells you that you're not winning is, is not, not worth valuing their judgment. So, uh, expectations and self-awareness. So I think what we've learned today is, uh, at the end of the day, no matter, uh, anything we've spoken about is to be a good person will make you, you know, succeed in life. And I think, um, nameless to me is such a good person. And, uh, in this interview, I've learned so much from him and just, um, growing up, um, watching him, even though battle rap might've been in, in, for instance, a vulgar form, I could always see the good in him. And it's very cool and serendipitous to have spoken to him when let's say I started watching him at, at age 14, 15, and I'm now 27. Um, it's just a, a full circle with life and how things can be brought to you. And no matter how, how negative or, or sad things can get, there's always positives within it, whether it be music, whether it be um, friends, whether it be film, you can always find compassion in something. And I just hope that today, if you've listened this far, that you found that and, you know, I hope you will reach out to Nameless. His name's Jacob Karsmeyer as well. Don't, don't, you know, don't spam him. Don't be a douchebag, but just, you know, just know that, that he's a great person and he loves people. And I really appreciate his time. And any last words, man, before we stop the recording? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, exactly what you've said, like these communities, it's an interesting one in particular battle rap because it's, it's, yeah, people coming together to say terrible things. Um, and obviously out of context a lot of those things are like totally unacceptable and, and offensive um but that's always how my circle sharpened each other was to to say the mean things that some asshole might say to you so you can understand what they are Not steel so steel sharpens steel yeah exactly right so um that's something that that like i've had to learn to around people who aren't as sure in their footing as i am um, you know, to, to use different styles of communication, depending on the audience and, and to adjust and, and support people in the, and meet them where they, where they are, rather than expecting them to, to, to work within your structure. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a community that a lot of people came up in and I came up in myself and, um, it's humbling and inspiring to see kind of where, where everyone, what people do with it. And, uh, and by all means, you know, feel free to reach out and, and chat for anyone. I'm, I'm always interested in a good conversation or perspective. And, uh, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, man. And just, uh, just for last note, if anybody, like, once again, he sounds way too humble. He sounds like he, he feels like he hasn't maybe done anything, but just type in nameless VS on, on YouTube and just see the kind of, you know, let him exuberate himself. But yeah, 
we're going to sign up for the episode and uh, yeah, like I really appreciate you, man. And um, we're going to keep you on for the call, but we're going to cut it off now for the episode. And thank you so, so much, man.